powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. So much to like from that introductory press conference. You guys are still sending in your reactions to the Mac and Jack's text line. We're going to move the conversation forward just a little bit to this. We know a bit more about who Mike McDonald wants to be as a team. I mean, some words that stand out are accountability, physicality, things like that. Does this Seahawks roster, though, have the pieces that new Seahawks head coach Mike McDonald actually needs for the defense that he wants? You've been looking squarely at linebackers. Yeah, um, I think they do in some areas, but it's it's not completely full, right? The 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 bucket isn't all the way full, but right. it's uh, there's enough there, though. There's enough there to start with, at least. Um, you're right. My main focus has been the linebacker position. You look at the the versatility of the two inside linebackers that they have over there with the with the Ravens. They can do everything. They can line up in the A, the B guy, put pressure on that guard, stunt him with the uh, with the outside linebacker or defensive lineman. Um, they can drop into coverage. You've seen them guard running backs. Excuse me, Dave Wyman, cover running backs out the backfield. Um, <laughs> and he's here, so you have to be careful. I got got to be careful. They're gonna get me. Um, I so I, I look at that position. It, it's the most dynamic position. The line Linebackers in general, because when I talk about those edge rushers, those outside backers, you got to be able two point, three point, rush, cover, um, and, and get into space. And I, I look at Ochenna and, and Boye. If I'm projecting that Boye is going to get better and better every single year, I can see them doing a, a version or variation of that. I look at the Baltimore defense. They had the perfect guys. I mean, they put Jadavian Clowney in the perfect situations for him. His get-off uh, was amazing getting off that offensive line. Adafi Owe, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. Watch that. That young man do his thing. He can do a little bit of everything. He's a big guy, 6'5", 250-plus pounds. You look at Clowney as well. So uh, when I look at the outside linebackers, I think they look a bit different over here than they do with the Baltimore Ravens as far as size, right? But they also mix things up, right? You go from a, a, a two-safety look to a three-safety safety look that had Hamilton roll down and be the guy that Jamal Adams was supposed to be for us this year so I look at the the personnel and I go obviously the Ravens personnel is a bit more better than it was for the Seattle Seahawks but there are guys to um where he can start somewhere within his realm of schematics and say, all right, now I'm going to pick and choose exactly what I need and what I don't need. I'll also say it sounds like we may be getting uh, new Seahawks head coach Mike McDonald on the airwaves, uh, potentially here in the next five to ten minutes. Um, if you guys have questions you want to send in for McDonald, send those to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. Again, Mike McDonald expected to join us in about ten minutes, so you can send those questions in, 866- Six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. We're very excited to talk to the Seahawks' new head coach. Um, I was uh, I was thinking about your answer to that, uh, not only today but but about yesterday too, when you were talking about Jordan Brooks. And as I was driving in, I was thinking about some of these free agents that are available, like Patrick Queen, Jadavion Clowney, who just had a career year with Baltimore, and just kind of wondering like, what will the balance be for McDonald between? you know, molding your scheme and your attack around the pieces you have, but then also knowing what you like to do right. and knowing who you like to be and trying to get those pieces because right. you don't want to lose what made you special with Baltimore. Yeah, correct. And, and that's why you look at Queen. 
you look at Jadavian Clowney. How crazy would it be if Clowney comes back for a round two and he's way better than he was when he was here? He was, uh, oh my he was God. banged up a lot. Um, we understand all that, but it didn't seem like he played with the same type of motor that no. he played with the Ravens. So this is what you do. Obviously, you're going to take a look at the pieces that you had over in Baltimore and see if you can make it work here, but there's something that is called a salary cap that might hinder some things that you can do. But now what do you do? You hit free agency. You see who's out there. You, you go to the draft and see who's there. You start to build towards what you want to do and get guys that are going to complement that's already here. And then slowly but surely, you – could be able to do all the things that you want to do, but he's not going to lose himself. It's not like we're going to come out here and he's going to be in a bare front every single down and he's going to have um, an even front every down. Like You're still going to see some of the things that, that happen with the Ravens. That's why John brought him here. Now, John also said Look, it wasn't all about the schematics and, and all that stuff. It was about connecting and leadership and the, the vision that you want for this organization. But John Fischel was watching film and saying, you know mm -hmm. what, I like what he's doing over there. I understand what he's trying to accomplish defensively. Uh, I'm going to throw in a question on the Mac and Jack's text line. Now, this might be for Mike McDonald, but I'm going to throw it your way. Also, guys, I don't know if Mike McDonald's going to tell us who his starting quarterback is going to be. Uh, right. <laughs> we will, I, I will try to find a way to ask him. Uh, about quarterback, but it's not going to be tell us who the starter is. Nah, I don't he's work not going to answer that. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, I think we'll get maybe 10 minutes here. Um, could Jamal Adams play weak side linebacker? So the reason I asked this of you, Bump, is that we were previously having a conversation where both of us were like, hey, I think it's time to move on from Adams. I, I don't think I'm second guessing that. I think I'm ready to move on from Adams. Right. However, there is this temptation that arises knowing Mike McDonald is the DC of wondering, you know, you almost want to like, it's like going back through your closet and trying to be like, do I want to get rid of this? Mm -hmm. Or is there a way that mm -hmm. I can find a, a way to use this again? Yeah. And, and I understand that feeling with Jamal because you want, you want to hear and see what he thinks about Jamal. You know, he's watched the film on this defense and the personnel and who's out there. And if he thinks that, Jamal can be serviceable. I'm willing to listen and to see what happens because he's coming in with these fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. Maybe he puts him in different positions. Maybe uh, uh, an offseason of rehab helps him. Maybe that even helps the relationship between Jamal and this organization because it kind of felt like something was missing there. I'm not saying it's all bad and they don't like each no, other, I but agree, it didn't it didn't right. seem like the joyful relationship that we're used to having. Yep. So I'm I'm interested to see what he thinks about that situation. You do save some money if you could. Uh, if you can go elsewhere, but if he sees him fitting into his scheme, I'm okay with giving it a try. If we were to have the same coordinator from last year and we're saying, okay, just run it back, right. I would look at that and say, we have essentially a couple of years of seeing what you did with Jamal mm -hmm. and it wasn't working, so mm -hmm. why go down that road again? Mm -hmm. Exactly, but now you're wondering, like, well, what if, what if this is your Swiss Army knife? Right. And the thing that's been so interesting about his season with Baltimore is he didn't have – it's not that he didn't have great players, um, you know, like Matabuke. Matabuke had uh, 13 sacks, which is better than any Seahawks defender mm -hmm. had. You know what I mean? But it's not like he had this premier Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, um, you know, Miles Garrett type guy that's getting 17, 16, 19 sacks. This was a team that spread that workload around, that had a great rotation, that had a lot of contributors and didn't have one premier uh, edge rusher. So there is this part of you that wonders, like, well, what if he does have that? Like, what, what does a defense look like? That that was Jamal's potential, not right. to be a premier edge rusher, but right. to be that premier player. To get after the quarterback yeah. and, and jack things up and cause chaos. And that is what his defense is built to do, cause chaos with the perception of 
them being super complex when really you break it down, they're not. How would Jamal um, kind of factor into that? Mm-hmm. And you're right, you mentioned how the sacks were spread across this guy. I mean, you got Matabuke, like you mentioned, with 13 sacks. Jadavian Clowney, edge rusher, with nine and a half. You got Calvin Noy with nine. You got mm-hmm. Adafe Owe with five. Patrick Queen with three and a half. Then you got three, three, two, one, one and a half, one and a half. You don't get to 60 sacks relying on a couple of guys. These dudes are getting after quarterback from all angles. So, um, yeah, when I, when I see the numbers spread out like that, obviously you need a heavy hitter, a guy who's going to be your, your go-to sack getter, and that was I'm out of UK. Um, you need this. You need you need a village. It's going to take a village to get this thing going. All right. And, uh, well, speaking of getting this thing going, new Seahawks head coach Mike McDonald is going to be joining us right now. You guys have uh, about a minute to get your last second questions in for the new Seahawks head coach, 866 866- Nine seven nine three seven seven six. Again, that number is eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Please don't embarrass me. <laughs> don't send in questions that I do not want to ask. Do not do this. Uh, Mike McDonald walking in right now. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get him set up. We're rolling. Yeah. Baby. Hey, coach. How's it going? How you doing? Great. This is not like a coaching headset. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little bit different. different. <laughs> yeah, not quite the same feedback coming into your ear with this one. But, uh, but how is that? A, how's the introductory press conference making the runs now? How do you feel? I feel great. I feel great. Um, it's just it was cool to see how many people were there. You know, just in and it kind of puts it into into perspective. Like, hey, we're rolling. You know, it's time <laughs> to go. So, uh, um, and just I thought John had some great remarks and and hear about the excitement and. You know, you start to feel it throughout the city now, yeah. you know, and I'm just excited to get things going here. we got a lot of work to do, but eventually we'll be out there and get to meet folks and everything, and I'm really looking forward to that as well. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. Stacy and I have been uh, – you are our guy. We were hoping that uh, – <laughs> All right, thanks. Uh, unfortunately, your season ended a little earlier than you would like it, but uh, we're happy. I'm blaming that. you guys. We lost. There was a lot of, a lot of thought hoping that we were going to lose that game. I'll we'll, take we'll that take responsibility. It. I'm very we'll sorry. I'll, I'll issue an apology to Lamar and everyone. But uh, not only did we, you know, want you here, a lot of other – organizations were looking at you and um it, it felt like you could have gone anywhere what was it about seattle that made you feel like this was home this is where you want to start your head coach career yeah well, with respect to the process i um you know it, it was i went through the process with those teams with an open mind like i had mentioned earlier and uh it was a little unique because i, I couldn't talk to seattle until after right. we finished playing so um that was a little bit of a, a funky situation there but like i said it, it's just um, understanding the organization and there's a lot of people that know how things work here that with that I worked with in Baltimore mm-hmm. and they just you know just raved about how it operated how John operated um, the ownership group and obviously just watching you know being a part of the league and understanding Seattle success in the past and the type of players that are here I think I think the vision of, of who we want on our football team is, is pretty similar and then just meeting everybody and understanding their vision and you felt the alignment and uh, that was hard to ignore, and it felt like, okay, this is this is the right place to be. You are not a former um, NFL player. I'm not either, so there's no judgment <laughs> yeah, on my part. Enough. However, um, I've been listening to a lot of feedback of particularly Ravens players, and they love you. I mean, these players, we've just heard from Kyle Hamilton, um, cool. nothing but great things to say. So you're still able to really resonate with guys despite not having necessarily that shared connection. What's your approach with players well, I appreciate saying it's cool to hear that because that's why that's why we do what we do. It's about um, it's about trying to win and trying to give give your guys success. And no matter what level you are, you know, coaching football, I mean, it's about it's about the guys. 
Um, but I think my approach is to be myself. And I think, you know, I'm just passionate about trying to put the guys in position to succeed. And I think it, that manifests itself different ways and different sense of humors. And, you know, sometimes I'm a little monotone, you know, so I got to watch that. But um, I think they just realize the consistency and the approach and um, we're in it for them. And I think they respect that. Obviously, when you, you got the job, I go back, I'm on YouTube, I'm, I'm, I'm watching your games, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in your shoes, I'm listening to you speak, and you said something that stuck out to me. And as an offensive guy, I go, God dang it, man. On the offensive side, you're going to give us trouble. Uh, you said you don't want to give the pass protection too much credit. I mean, like, you want to apply that pressure. And if, yeah. Obviously, you understand the game. If you make those guys communicate uh, until the very last second, there's going to be some confusion. Where did you, you come up with that? Was that something you created yourself, that, that phrase, or something that was, uh, was learned over the years? Well, you're always, trying to, you're always trying to dictate terms as, much, as best as you can to the offense, and that's easier said than done because the offense is trying to do the same thing to you. So there's a little bit of a back and forth to that. Um, and I think one of the principles of the organization as I sat in, in Baltimore is we want to be aggressive and um, – we want to be pushing the envelope. And so how do you do that uh, while, you know, taking, you know, having, being smart with the resources that you're allocating, you know, you want to have, you don't have maximal return from minimal investment. I mean, it's easy to blitz zero every snap if you want, and, and you can apply pressure that way, but you can also do it mentally and um, by how you play um, and the things you're presenting to the offense, because they got a lot of stuff going on over there too. Right. And um, you know, so obviously those guys are pros and, there's a lot of great coaches out there, but if you can apply pressure over games, you know that's that's hard to, to do consistently for 60 minutes. What kinds of things do you think that you'll find yourself valuing as you build out your coaching staff? Yeah, I, I really want some. It's you have to have high character and 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 men and women with integrity. Um, I want to see a track record of being able to connect with your players, um, and a growth mindset of. Hey, this is why we did some things. This uh, efficiency and how they teach, mm-hmm. and things that make sense. So in our systems, that we're gonna we're gonna be able to get to a lot of different things. And in order to do that, you have to be incredibly clear. And so when when I'm listening to how they do things, I want I want I want clarity on on what they're asking from their players and and how they've and how they've gone about their business. When you when you watch defenses that you coach play. It seems that everyone's on the same page. They know what their responsibility is. And to me, that's a sign of a person who's a good teacher. Obviously, as coaches, you guys are teachers out there. Um, it, was there a, a teacher during your career that you said, you know what, if once I become a coordinator, I'm a head coach, this is the style that I want to teach, and this is the process I'm going to go through to make sure my guys understand their responsibilities? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, um, John Harbaugh, he preaches clarity and um, – it's team football in, in those, in those environments and you have to be able to play together and there can't be independent contracting out there. Um, I think, and I think the players understand it's our responsibility to teach them how it fits and why, and the players, they're smart. They know. So what they'll, they'll see the, the benefit of that and they'll understand that their role can be productive and they can have, and they can have success as well. But when it's disjointed and there's independent contracting, you got no chance, and and the evidence is on the tape, so it's it's an easy sell. Right. 
you've kind of been, um, I mean, again, we've heard nothing but glowing reviews, um, but I know that not everything has been perfect because that's no one's path right. to, to get to where they are. Like, you didn't get here. We haven't given up a touchdown yet. Everybody loves <laughs> exactly. us right now. But. Yeah, right now you're undefeated, and that's phenomenal. Um, but just over the course of, of your path to get here, has there been a moment where you thought, oh, man, that was a learning moment for me? Yeah, you know, we had a, we had a we got off to a slow start last year in Baltimore. My first year coordinating since I came back, and uh, it really tested um, the why and the how we were doing things. And instead of pointing the figures at folks, we all took accountability of what our roles were, and we really challenged each other to hey, let's figure out a solution together to this thing. And uh, that's why you know you have confidence. Like I got to ask the question: What's going to be the biggest challenge? I don't know the answer to that, but I, there's going to be challenges. But if you're with the people that you trust and you stick together and you're trying to find your solution oriented, then, um, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take, but we'll find the solutions and we'll be able to move forward. Uh, lots of people are excited you're here, um, but everyone always wants more, right? Like, okay, you got a defensive guy. What about the <laughs> offense? Right. Um, and when I look at this offense, I see lots of weapons, right? Obviously, yeah. nothing's perfect. you got to fix some things. What is it about the personnel that you see on this offense right now that has you excited? Well, we got we got some guys that can do a lot of different things, and there's a lot of I think we have a diverse skill set from going from from going against the offense. Um, I think I think we just have to do a great job of again. It's the same mentality that we have on defense. How do we get these guys doing what they do really well and put it in those spots, and then trying to dictate terms of the offense? And how how we're doing that, I don't know the answer to that, but like that's going to be the driving for like driving force of all the decisions that we make from here for as long as we're here. I'll throw it a bump for the last question, but I'm going to squeeze in. We have fans that were so excited that you I like the bump so. nickname. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Because I'm like, is it Mike, Michael, or is it bump? Uh, well, and we didn't want too many mics, you know, going <laughs> oh, okay. on here. So we want right. a different. So you tell me what you're going to call you. That's fair. Yeah, bump's good. Okay. <laughs> um, so I wanted to squeeze in just some quick fan questions because they were so excited to have you here. Sure. And they're all just fun ones. The very first one is, um, do you go by Coach Mac? Like, what's the, what's, no. the, what's the, Coach McDonald? Mike does the trick. Mike? Now, Mike at, Michigan, trick? at Michigan, it was Coach Mac, and that, that took me a while, and let's not do that. You just nixed it. it. You were like, enough of just that. Just call me by my name. That, okay. that does a trick. Everyone, it's Mike. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, next one, it's not a question, but they did want to tell you that Seattle, they promise it's fabulous in the summer and fall. You're not getting the best version of it weather-wise, but it's great. Uh, and then the last one uh, was just about your defensive philosophy. Just wanting to hear more about it because so many people are so intrigued by that. Yeah, I think, I think um, we want to play a certain way. Uh, in order to do that, you have to be incredibly clear, like I talked about, and the expectations have to be there, and you're just going to chisel away at it every day. And the way we build it is just, it's really just a series of concepts that you can master, and then you can layer it together. So you're always doing stuff that's in your sweet spot, but it's through the lens of who you're playing and how you're trying to attack that particular team. Uh, last one we got for you. Obviously, Pete was here for 14 years yeah. and, and built a great winning culture here. We heard John, when he was looking for his next head coach, he goes, we want to keep some of the stuff that Pete has done. Yeah. But ultimately, this is this is your, your organization, your program now. What, what do you want to bring culturally to the Seattle Seahawks? Well, I mean, I, the culture, there is a great culture here. And so I don't think you uh, fix what's not broken. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear more from the players and the people in the building as we, as we get moving. But our culture is built on respect and um, we want to stay cutting edge and like we're going to use it. We're going to use a term around here called chasing edges. So there's going to be a sense of urgency what we're doing. We're going to work extremely hard. Um, we're going to be relentless in the pursuit of it. One thing you learned about me is like, I'm going to be relentless and there's different ways that that'll manifest itself. But 
Um, it's going to be a positive environment. We want people to be excited to come to work, and we want to be a positive uh, influence on the community as well. So um, I'm interested to learn more about what that what that looked like and um, the stuff that you know we want to move with. We'll, we'll move forward with it, and we'll, we'll tweak some things along the way. He is your new Seahawks head coach, Mike McDonald. Just Mike works. All right, thanks so much, Coach. We <laughs> okay, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the time. All right, you guys, that was Seahawks head coach Mike McDonald, kind enough to join us. And uh, Bump and I are going to recap some of what we learned from the head coach right here. I think, um, you know, Bump, what stands out to me is uh, the idea of talking about what he's going to want as he builds out his coaching staff, the idea of I want to know what people – how they interact with their players, what they get from their players, that that player-coach relationship is going to be supremely important, as is obviously character. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a sign of a good coach, right? It's um, it's different. You know, the world is different these days. These athletes are different these days. Um, back in the day when I when I was coming up, back in my day, back early two thousands, um, <laughs> you didn't. Coaches didn't ask for much feedback, you know, unless you were uh, the best player on your team, unless you were one of the premier players in the league, you didn't necessarily have a seat at the table. I'm not saying that all these guys have a seat at the table, but um, I think coaches now understand that personality. Once you understand someone's personality, you can have a more positive influence on their career and how they execute their plays, right? Because everyone communicates differently. And I think that that's what we're seeing with this new wave of coaches, man. Now, I, I loved being Coach Hart. I loved the Belichick way of doing things, but I also appreciate the Pete Carroll way of doing things. I played for both. So I think um, the main thing is understanding who their players are. And once you understand somebody, I think you can, uh, you can be a more effective teacher and leader there were some questions that i did not want to ask that i thought were good questions but um i thought would probably make him uncomfortable like <laughs> hey uh how did you beat the seahawks kind of questions good questions and i do want to know his insight i didn't think it was appropriate for a first sit down no, uh, especially with the rest <laughs> of the seahawks pr staff in here but some good questions from you guys uh regardless and and i and i am very curious to know um, not just what he's going to do with the defense, but what he sees in the offense, what he wants to do with the offense, the weaknesses he sees, right. the strengths he sees. Those are things that, while Bump and I didn't dive into it a ton with him here, we're going to learn throughout the offseason, and I'm very eager for that. Yeah, for sure. I, I, if I could, I'd sit down for with a, uh, for an hour with Coach and, and really dive deep. But obviously he's running around, and he has to make his rounds. So the fact that he made time for us was awesome. And uh, and all that stuff will come to light on its own, honestly. right? We are in with the first day of February, and um, there's a long time before these guys get out there and compete. So mm -hmm. it all starts with uh, his player evaluations. I believe he's going down to the uh, – the, uh, the Shrine Bowl or the Senior Bowl, whichever one is going on right now, he's going to evaluate there. Then it leads over to the draft. I think the draft is going to be really telling about the direction he wants to go. And then finally, once you get OTAs and rookie camps and guys start showing up, then he gets to really show his method and, and how he gets his point across and how he teaches these guys. From the 206, yeah, but what's his philosophy? Pete liked running the ball. So he was asked about his offensive philosophy during the press conference. So I didn't push on that one because he clearly didn't want to answer it fully. He just said that they're going to be physical. Here's why I think he's not answering it fully. I don't know that he has all the pieces he wants, and I also think that this is probably something that's going to evolve over time. And also, I think this is something where he's going to want insight from people who have been there before. He knows that he's a defensive coordinator. He's a first-time head coach. He knows exactly how to pick apart an offense. He knows, you know what yeah. I mean? He knows wow. how to confuse an offense. He knows what makes a great and a bad offense. Um, and anyone in football knows their X's and O's and knows who they want to be. But I 
I think that that is something that maybe hasn't even been fully realized yet. No, I mean, and, and it's um, I and that's why what I say to him, I go, people want more, you know, and I understand why you want more and you want more answers, but he really probably doesn't have all the answers for you right now because mm-hmm. he has to feel um his uh his coaching staff he has to get around the players he's got to see him move he's gonna watch more film so why would he come out here right now and throw a philosophy out there that he's not sure that they're going to be able to execute because you don't even have your offensive coordinator yet so once you get your coordinator and you see if you're uh, you're aligned with the philosophy and you got your guys then you start really implementing all of that and you'll have more answers well speaking of the seahawks offense and offensive coordinator i just saw a very interesting rumor you guys are going to want to hear this it's coming up next bump and stacy powered through the alaska airline studios on seattle sports here are your hosts michael bumpus and stacy ross very interesting report coming from pro football talk how about this one bump now mike mcdonald new head coach of the seattle seahawks looking for his oc and dc we may already have a name floating uh up for offensive coordinator How about Alabama OC Ryan Grubb? Mm. He may already be heading back to Washington, says Mike Florio, just a few weeks after leaving. He's under consideration to become the next offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. So much to cover with this. First of all, would you like Ryan Grubb as OC for Seattle? (laughs) Most definitely. Yeah. You see what he did with Michael Penix. Now, you look at the type of quarterback Michael Penix is – Similar to Geno, I would say Penix is a bit more athletic. We saw him get loose later on in the season. Um, probably has a stronger arm. Not sure. I think Geno has a cannon, but it's mm-hmm. um, it's also underrated. But um, I would love that. You see how high-flying this offense was, yet they were still able to produce a running back to go for over 1,100 yards, right? So I see balance right there. And I think that um, once you get into the, the NFL game, it is um, – it's it's harder to play the style that UW played, right? Because you have a Dunze on the outside, you have McMillan, you have Polk, you have guys in conference play that are just better. So once you get into the NFL, you have to adjust that a little bit. But I saw that with, with Grubb. Mm-hmm. And people think of this UW offense as just they're throwing it 100 times. Yeah, you are, but you're also going to run it 20, 25 times. And if you had a back like Dylan Johnson, you can get it done. I like it. That tells me that, one, we heard that Grubb wanted to be the head coach at UW. Yes. Obviously, they didn't go that direction. Um, so he, he goes to Bama. Maybe he's not feeling the vibe and says, you know what, I got to get back up to the Northwest and take a step up to the NFL. That's why most coaches coach, right? You want to help young men. You, you love competing and winning games, but most coaches want to make that climb and eventually end up in the NFL. So it will make complete sense. Everyone's familiar with him out here. Um, he is older than our guy, um, Coach Mike. It's wild. Because <laughs> I never thought and, of I mean, Ryan Grubb's still a young guy. And that could be, that could be the um, – the the veteran type leadership yeah. that you're looking for both these guys first time in nfl if that were to happen i'm really glad you mentioned hey we all thought that you know he'd be a candidate for head coach and he sure seemed like he wanted it because you're right when ryan grubb posted his uh kind of announcement to husky nation when he went to alabama it sure sounded like he wanted to stay in washington right. he said the vision coming to seattle was clear remember this was about uh under a month ago the vision coming to seattle was clear what wasn't was how this family would come together and have the experience of a lifetime nothing will change it it would have been a dream to stay here and fight to maintain the standard that had been reestablished. I showed up every day, stayed late, gladly to fight for my family with tears in my eyes. I know my last day in Husky Stadium has come. Or has it? 
obviously not in Husky Stadium, right. but I would I would love him here. And I'm biased, obviously, as a Husky, as someone who watched this offense. I'll say this. What Ryan Grubb was able to do was very, very cool. It was innovative. He also had, like, the one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, uh, you know, three NFL caliber wide receivers. He had the best offensive line. He will have, quite literally, NFL caliber wide receivers and quarterbacks and everything here. But all of a sudden, it's in, it's a more even playing field. You no longer have some of the best weapons right. on offense. It's it's going to be a little tougher. So right. what are going to be some of the challenges and opportunities? Uh, it'll be tougher, but I think that's fun sometimes, too. Uh, I mean, again, um, when, when I call plays and we're playing against a team that I know that we're just going to beat, it ain't that fun calling plays. I mean, it's fun to win. It's fun to put yeah. up points. But every now and then, <laughs> you um, you prepare for a team. And you have all these ideas of what you want to do, and then you're up 21 points in the third in the the first second quarter. You're like, we don't even need to run all that stuff now. You know, like we did all <laughs> that work. And we'll even run it. We'll run it next week. We might show a little <laughs> bit of it to prepare for next week, but we'll run it. So um, no, but it is going to be a different type of challenge because you have 1,500 of the best football players in one league, but what that can do for players as yeah. it can do for coaches is elevate who you are and what you do. That's what you want in this league. There's a bunch of alphas in this league. And the ones who cannot raise their level of play or level of focus are, are out the league. You're out the league anyway in three and a half years um, for, for the most part. So, yeah, will it be more challenging? For sure. But I guarantee you Grubb has a lot of football that he hasn't put on film yet because he didn't have to at yeah. UW. Um uh, kind of a, a follow-up to all of this. One of the challenges we've been talking about, you know, it's interesting. Mike McDonald sitting down with us said, I'm going to have challenges. I don't know what all of them are yet. Obviously, I'm going to encounter them and face them and chip mm-hmm. away at them as we go. Um, I think that one of the challenges will just be an experience. And you can't help that. You can't help right. if you haven't been there before, right? It's yeah. you are just. It is just by virtue of being born when you were and having the experience that you do. Grubb is also going to have that, regardless of being older mm-hmm. than McDonald. But hypothetically, if, if Grubb is your guy, if you go with Grubb over maybe uh, we we assumed it, it could be an older veteran type dude as your offensive right. coordinator, right? The way that um, that McVeigh did for the defensive side of things. If you go with a guy from the college ranks, well, now you're doubling up on some of that NFL inexperience. Yeah, you are. So, so what's the what's the you pro? Are. What's the con? Obviously, the the pro is you go into things, and if you don't really realize the danger. Um, you have the capabilities of calling plays and preparing without that type of pressure that you probably should have in this situation. You know, um, obviously the downfall of it is encountering situations, scenarios um, that you're just not familiar with, and you have no one to lean on. You're the guy who is leaned upon. That's why you get older guys on the staff that can point you in the right direction and be like, hey, man, try this. Hey, man, try that. So I would love Grubb. I, I like it. I think it, it makes sense. But I also think that once you start filling out this this coaching staff, you got to sprinkle in, uh, you know, the silver foxes in there with the grays in their beard who, mm-hmm. who've been around the block. Once in a times, while, you got to bring in the old heads. Just so they can give you a different type <laughs> of perspective. So there, there are pluses and minuses, man. While you're thinking about that, I I watch a lot of, like, National Geographic type stuff. And you ever see, like, the, uh, the young, like, employees Paula that's crossing the river. He don't know that that thing is full of right. crocodiles, right? He's, he's just, just like, living his life. I'm just gone. I'm just gone. Bam, and then all bam, of a sudden, bam. boom, he's on you and he escapes <laughs> because he 
his 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 him not knowing the situation allowed him to get out that thing. Meanwhile, the old head on the side of the river, like man, I, don't, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I'm yeah. to about ten of y'all go first, right? So <laughs> they're plus and minuses in that situation. The animal kingdom's a tough place to yeah, be, man. Tough place to be. I can't watch those documentaries. I get too nervous. All the animals will die, and it gives me too much anxiety. So every time I watch it, I'm like, I don't want to get attached. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's 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 like Breaking Bad or The Wire. I can't get attached to anyone. You never know who's gonna make it out of this thing alive. I can't. I can't do it. Um, you know what? It's it's interesting. We're gonna do. We were gonna do NFL headlines here, and then this was the top headline. And so we're gonna take a look around the NFL coming up next. And we just kind of stayed with what they're gonna do at OC, and in particular with this Grub report, because the last thing that I want to get to here, Bump, is it is so fascinating to watch the turn that this organization will make. It's not that the Seahawks haven't always been innovative. Like, do you remember when playing a bunch of music at practice was seen as kind of weird? Yeah, like, I do. Like, <laughs> during the early years of Carroll's tenure, everything he did was seen as innovative, uh, telling guys to really focus on sleep and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, doing uh, specialized diets and things like that. All of this was new. But the play on the field was eventually not seen as being quite as innovative, mm -hmm. quite as smart. And, and the league has changed so much in 14 years. And now we're doing this turn where an organization that's typically seen as being pretty forward thinking mm -hmm. now has the X's and O's potentially to back it up. Yeah, I mean, you got the youngest coach in the game right now. Yeah. That, that's forward thinking for you right there. And, and that's just um, that's just how life is, right? Every 10 to 15 years, things are different. Things change. Just look at the way we dress, right? It's different than it was 10, 15 years ago. Uh, for some reason, it's coming back around. Kids, stay away from the baggy pants. <laughs> uh, but that that's how it is. And, and the good ones, the good coaches can adjust. And say what you want about the way it ended here with Pete Carroll. He adjusted some of his things or at least attempted to adjust. So just like coaches have to adjust the league is adjusting at the same time they're going younger with these guys not to say that an older head coach can't get it done but they see the value in going young just because of the experience that he has so um yeah once again the uh the seahawks have have joined the let's switch it up mm -hmm. and and make things a bit more i guess modern and um and it starts with a 36 year old head coach and and uh, everything else falls underneath it. Well, we already have a rumor about an existing Seahawks coach that will be staying on staff, plus CBS introducing something special for the Super Bowl. That's all coming your way next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Taking a look around the NFL, but we're starting in Seattle, where Carl Scott is expected to remain on Seattle's defensive staff. This is according to a report from 24-7 Sports. Um, Bump, I wasn't expecting too many people to be staying on this staff, particularly defensively. Um, but I guess when Shane Waldron, who again, I didn't think would stay, went to Chicago, took a lot of those coaches with him you start seeing the offensive staff leaving uh, we know that Clint Hurt uh, is uh, going to Nick Sirianni gonna be their defensive line coach for the Eagles I'm, I'm a little bit uh, surprised not disappointed by any means great news for Carl right. Scott but I'm, I'm surprised that that anyone's staying behind <laughs> yeah they, um, the Hawks had 30 guys on staff last year 30 guys when you are the second to last team to hire their your head coach there's going to be a little bit of turnover now. I didn't expect any either, especially on that side of the football. But, uh, no, it, every, everything you hear about Carl Scott is that um, he knows what he's doing. He connects mm -hmm. with the players. He's a younger guy in his 40s, so the vibe must have been good if 
he uh, he must have met with uh, with McDonald right. already. So vibes must have been on point. Dan Quinn is the commander's new coach. We already told you guys that this morning. But some other news to come out of Washington. The Athletics' Diana Russini reporting that the commanders did, in fact, reach out to Bill Belichick about their head coach opening. But apparently not much developed on that front. But I'm still trying to figure out why Bill Belichick didn't land with any team. And I've kind of settled on him wanting a lot of power, a la Jim Harbaugh. And Harbaugh was the only coach that was going to be able to get that with the Chargers. Yeah, I, I think that's what it comes down to. When you have a guy like Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest coach in football, him and Nick Saban, they can ask for certain things. They can ask for things that a first-year head coach can't ask for. They can ask for things that a second-time head coach and Dan Quinn cannot ask for because of their resume. And the organization has to be okay with giving that power up. These are all assumptions, but I think these are fair assumptions mm -hmm. because he had a lot of power with the New England Patriots. He has earned the right to put himself in a position that he wants to be in. He ain't got to take any old job. So maybe he sits for a year and um, and we see what he does. The Packers have hired Boston College head coach Jeff Hathley as their defensive coordinator. Always interesting when someone's hired from the college ranks because obviously those players now have to figure out what they want to do. This now opens up a 30-day transfer window for Boston College players. Another rumored college head coach that could be on the move is UCLA's Chip Kelly, who's been linked to Dan Quinn as a possible offensive coordinator in Washington. The Chip Kelly one's been interesting because all year when they were struggling, they were like a 500 team. People are talking about UCLA getting rid of Chip Kelly, mm -hmm. and then they put some games together. You put a defense out there that's been balling. And what Chip Kelly did with about three different quarterbacks over there in rotation, including a freshman, was impressive. I was looking at people at the Pac-12 network like, what are y'all talking about? Chip Kelly's doing his thing. Yeah. You might not like his personality, but he's balling. Um, we, at least most of us, have felt like Chip was going to go back to the NFL eventually. And uh, there's a connection with Dan Quinn. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes down. What do you think happens with Eric Bieniemy, who's technically currently under contract with Washington? I mean, if Chip Kelly goes there as OC, what does that mean you for know, him? You know, you know, you know. He's what? out of a job, but then Mike what? Mike McDonald, go get him. I said it yesterday. <laughs> if Bieniemy is available, you go ahead and get that dude, man. Very innovative, but uh, we shall see. New Panthers head coach Dave Canales says he expects to retain Ejero Evero as Carolina's defensive coordinator in 2024. Um, now, the reason I bring this up is just how interesting Evero's path has become. So he was defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. They fired Nathaniel Hackett, who he was college roommates with. So you know he was ride or die. He was like, I'm not playing <laughs> under any other head coach. I'm out of here. So the uh, Broncos initially wanted to retain him. Right. And you rarely hear that, right? That like we're firing everyone except for you, Ajaro. Please stay here. He's allowed to go interview elsewhere, goes to Carolina. Same thing now happening. Your head coach moving on. You have a new one coming in and they're like, but can you stay? I mean, it's just this really interesting, like the organization's the, the coaching staffs that he's been on have largely failed, but he has been right. successful. It's such a weird path. And that, that says a lot about him. Yeah. And we've heard people say that he's a great coordinator, just didn't have the personnel that he needed to get things done. So if you are still a sought-after defensive coordinator and your defenses have not been playing at a high level, that says a lot about you, your scheme, your integrity, your personality. You rub people the right way. Um, good for him, man. Continue to get opportunities. Yeah. The next time there's a big head coach uh, search, 
he's going to be back in the mix. Well, what are the Seahawks going to do with, uh, well, offensive and defensive coordinator? We just talked about uh, reports that Ryan Grubb would be Seahawks OC or that he was drawing interest to Seahawks OC. You've mentioned Eric Bieniemy as another candidate, especially if Chip Kelly goes to Washington. Let's talk DC. We all talked about linebackers coach for the Ravens, Zach Orr, and whether or not he could come here. Well, news this morning, he's been promoted to defensive coordinator. He becomes the first former Raven to be promoted as uh, a position coach to a coordinator position like this, which is very cool. Congratulations to Zach Orr. That's very awesome. However, it takes what was a very intriguing name off of that list. Yeah, and and I love this for him. And good job for Baltimore. Mm -hmm. You keep your guys here. You already lost your head honcho on the defensive side. You retain guys who can duplicate in some way what Mike McDonald created over there. Not to say it's going to be a copy-paste, but I would assume they want to continue to do a lot of the things that they did last year that made them so successful. How do you do that? You retain guys like Zach Orr that played in this organization, that coach under Mike McDonald, and that can communicate the message similarly. Speaking of Mike McDonald, you know what question I regret not asking, but like also was afraid I'd be made fun of for asking? What's that? I wanted to know how he met his wife. Because, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite stories is is uh, Wyman and his story about how he met his wife as a Seahawks player and she was a Seagull. And I'm like, well, she was a, it, Mike McDonald's wife was a Baltimore Ravens cheerleader. And I just think it's so romantic. And I wanted to ask about it, but I was like, Stacy, focus. We'll, we'll interview him again. You well, can ask right? him that question. Okay, maybe I'll ask Mike. You should uh, just lead Salk. off with it next time. I'm going to be like, Salk, when you and Brock do your interview, can you make that the first question? <laughs> Just please, just just ask. Uh, last one here. Uh, wondering how you and Curtis feel about this one. Just I know that Curtis is excited for it. CBS is introducing a doink cam during the Super Bowl. <laughs> it will show up close shots of kicks that bang the uprights. Man, oh. if it's not mic'd up too, like Ooh. it's it's one thing to get the the camera a very angle loud of it, doink. But I want to hear a, just a, a whenever he falls. <laughs> Flying off the uprights or crossbar. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Doink Cam 2024. All, all for it. I'm all for angles. Give me right? every angle Slow. possible. Every angle possible. Put a camera <laughs> in the ball. Like after it happens, they do slow-mo yeah. from four or five different sides right. just to really rub it and in. And then you go to, you know, and then you hire a, a retired kicker and he's the doink expert. Right? How, right, how did this right. all go wrong? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. But then they get someone else that's like a, uh, like a physics guy and he also explains it. Like, I want just, like, full right. coverage mm-hmm. of any doink yeah, that I'm happens. With that. I'm with that. All right. Well, we heard from Mike McDonald and John Schneider this morning. And if you missed any of it, don't worry. We got you covered. We're going to go over everything that stands out from that presser coming up next.